York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Oops. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time show. Here giving you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. And it's time to talk about a Knicks win in the clutch. What? The Knicks withstand the heat in the winter and beat them 106 to 104. RJ Barrett, the Bodmon, comes in with 30 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. The newly named All-Star in Julius Randle gives you 23 points and 10 rebounds. Grimes chips in with 17 points. Gives you a clutch three as well. And three assists. The Knicks bench comes in with 28 points on the night. Only outscored by one point from the Heat bench. And the Knicks beat, win the rebound battle, 57 41 shout out to these new york knicks who took it home no jalen brunson today we did not have him no mitchell robinson today we did not have him iq started did an admiral job running the first unit and the knicks took care of business and we're gonna talk about it all the good the bad a little bit of ugly but there's not a lot of ugly to talk about today so you know what we're going to talk about it all before i talk about it all first and foremost hit that like and subscribe button and also shout out to fubu tv if you want msg for free for seven days go to fubutv.com kot you'll get the knicks for free for seven days and if you decide to buy the subscription you help us out you'll get free cable and you can cut that subscription wherever you want to. So shout out to FUBU TV, okay? Now let me introduce you to my guys. I know you see some, um, some new faces today, all right? First and foremost, it is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. A victory over the heat is always a good night. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Always. We got to always be the heat. Pat Ryan them. We don't like that. We don't like them, all right? Always a good day when we beat the heat. Also, my man, the Latin assassin, Mr. ESPN contributor, posting and toasting contributor, dead spinning contributor, SNY contributor, my man, Lee Escobedo. Nah, 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 Bruh. not today, not today, not today. Man, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm thrilled about a win. I'm never gonna get off my fire tips bandwagon, but I must say, I'm really positive about this win for some reason. I've been like indecisive about tainting and losing. Like, what do these midseason wins mean? But man, I saw the MSG commercial again with that train conductor, and I thought about him, man. I was like, that guy wants a Nets to win, man. It, it pulled at my heartstrings. <laughs> Every time I see that commercial, I'm like, this can't be negative, man. Because I'm rooting for that guy to win in life. I want him to win. There's something about him that is like he's so adorable, man. So hey, Nets won. Let's go. So you're telling me all I have to do to convert toxic Knicks Twitter is show them a commercial of the Knicks train conductor and they'll just him. <laughs> Some of them are kind of corny. There's something about that guy. <laughs> Look in his eyes, that blue collar hero, man. I'm like all about it. Imagine my dad, man. 
Oh, Love man. that guy. <laughs> shout out to Lee and shout out to the trader conductor. Maybe we'll have him on the show next. All right. <laughs> now, introducing our special guest. All right. Sports anchor from NY Sports, NY Post Sports, and SNY TV. Shout out to my guy, Dexter Henry. First time on the program. He's had Lee on like 600 times already, and we had to throw him the lob and bring him back on the KOT show. Shout out to you. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. I caught the lob, did not turn the ball over like RJ Barrett did a couple times tonight. But, uh, you know, we're here to get it done. So thank you guys for having me. Love what y'all do. Blessed, blessed to be here. Talk some Nick Soups. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start with that. Let's start with the Bodmon and RJ Barrett because he was catching some heat to start the season. And I know some people were kind of low on him, but I, I just want to read out some some stats real quick before we get into RJ Barrett. Since that Dallas game where we've been embarrassed, RJ Barrett has averaged 21 points. 2.5 assists, shot 45% from the field and 39% from three. So when people talk about him struggling, I know the overall numbers don't look good, but I can see him slowly getting better offensively, finishing better um, and shooting better. And even though the passing is still something to be desired, you already see it, 2.5 assists. I do feel like there is hope for the young man in RJ Barrett to improve. And I knew you would have a bounce back game today, and he certainly showed it today. So I'm going to start off with our new guest, and I want to get your thoughts on RJ Barrett's bounce back game today. Yo, so Jay Ellis, like you, I thought that RJ would bounce back today, right? But then I think what's interesting about this game is in the opening quarter, second quarter, first half, you should say, he didn't really shoot the ball that well from outside, right? At one point, he was 04, 05 from three. What I did like about him today, the thing that really impressed me with RJ was his ability to attack the rim in the second half, which is something I know a lot of Knicks fans have been screaming for him to do more. He showed right. you what he can do when he can attack the ball. The downside <laughs> late in the game for a lot of Knicks fans was the fact that he turned the ball over a bunch. And that was really frustrating to see with him, right? The fact that he just turned the ball over so much and you want to see him take care of the ball better and make better decisions. But in terms of attacking the rim, how he played, you know, getting the 30 points to eight boards, um, you know, it was really good to see from RJ tonight. Obviously, those turnovers, the five you see right there on the screen, that's not what you like to see, especially the two that two that came late or the one that almost became a turnover. But I think the way he attacked the rim, yes. that's what you want to see from him. If the shot's not falling... Do what you did tonight. Attack the rim. Put pressure on the defense, especially against a team like Miami that we know, kind of like the Knicks, can struggle a bit offensively. But I liked what I saw out of RJ tonight. Away from the bounce back. This is what you want to see from a player, guys. Mm -hmm. If you get mad, you got benched in the fourth quarter against the Lakers, get mad, show the coaching staff and the team that you're going to respond in a big-time way. And so I think this is positive for RJ Barrett. I'm not as down on him, guys, as some other people have been. We still got to remember he's only 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Has he had the best year? No, it's been a disappointing season. I've actually been more disappointed with him on defense this season yes. than I have in the offense. That's been a more of a disappointment for me when you watch RJ Barrett. But, you know, I think he has to understand, hopefully this was a wake-up call for him. You know, sometimes it's something that could spark a team, spark a guy. Maybe this is it for him, but we will see. But I think if you're a Knicks fan or an RJ Barrett fan, this is an encouraging sign in how we attack the rim in the second half of this game. Absolutely. I also feel like defensively, 
he wanted to set a tone early. I really didn't see him dying on a lot of screens today and getting beat off the dribble today. I feel I felt like defensively, the coaching staff must have pulled him to the side and say step it up because I saw I saw a difference on both ends of the floor today. Um, um, what about you, Lee? What did you think about the RJ game today, or your thoughts on the game in general? If there was any game I could pick for RJ Barrett to play after being bench last game, it's the Heat because he's constantly being comped to Jimmy Butler. Uh, skill set wise and he's always been compared contract and growth wise to Tyler Hero mm -hmm. so I think it provided a really good outlet for him to get motivation whether he needed it or not he should have already had some by being benched in fourth quarter in overtime but I thought he bounced back well even though he missed all five of his three-point attempts he still shot over 50 percent from the field the turnovers man I mean I feel like Dexter said he's 22 years old that I'm not going to be so concerned at. It's more consistency on defense. Yeah. Since coming back from his injury, the finger laceration on January 12th, he's had, he's posted a net defensive rating of one 125.8, which is atrocious. I mean, that's like bottom, bottom of the barrel defense, definitely the, the, the worst of any of the starters, mm -hmm. and has really knocked him out of any of the top five or six five-man rotation uh, combinations defensively. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, He's been, he's been pretty consistent. I, once I let go of the notion that he's going to be a, an all-star or a consistent 26, 27 point per game, and what we're seeing right now is what he's going to be, my expectations have dropped, and I'm really just happy any game where he's able to chip in over 20 points per game. Uh, so I think dro dropping my expectations have gone a long way in me appreciating his all-around abilities uh, and more of him as a player on this team. Ryan G, are you, are you out on RJ being – an all-style caliber player at this point. I just want to ask you that. And you can also give your thoughts on RJ's game or any thoughts you had on a game in general. Yeah, um, I'm still holding out a bit of hope that he can turn into that all-star caliber player. Because like Dexter said, he's only 22 years old. He still has room to grow. But I mean, based on the evidence we've seen so far and this being his fourth season, it doesn't look like it's likely. But overall with RJ Barrett tonight, tonight the one thing about RJ Barrett is, you know, throughout his career, he's shown that when he faces a bit of adversity, usually that next game yeah. or so he to the occasion. And, you know, lately, you know, with the way with his play, especially on the defense as of late, there's been preferring quickly to shut out games more so than Barrett. And Barrett, you know, during most fourth quarters, you know, towards the end of the game. So I think Barrett, especially that Lakers game, he, I think he took it to heart and he came out strong tonight. And what I liked about RJ Barrett was the fact that he saw his matchup because, you know, in the third quarter, I believe, he said that Tyler Hero was on him. And he knows that Tyler Hero is barbecue chicken all day. You yep. can't play. So what did he do? He attacked Tyler Hero. I think he scored like 11 points. I think 11 straight points in the, in the third quarter, something along those lines. And he, put, he, put his, and he really put a stamp on the game. And also he was a part of that second unit in the fourth quarter that increased the lead as well. So, you know, Audrey Barrett played really good tonight. Of course, the turnovers were not great on his, on yeah. his behalf. You know, besides that, you know, RJ Barrett did have a good bounce back game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you talked about the second unit because that's something else I actually want to tackle, the second unit. Usually when you see RJ Barrett play, um, it's a tale of two RJs. It's, I feel like the, the second unit usually gets in that second quarter and that fourth quarter, and they never really play both good quarters sometimes. It's usually one or the other. Um, Today... They, they, they had a slow second quarter, but they really turned it on when we really needed it at the end of the third into the fourth quarter. We were outscored by the bench, the heat bench 20 to five at halftime. And you turn around and you're looking 
And look at that. We only, the bench only scored one less point than the Heat bench. So I'm, I, I want to get your thoughts on the bench performance today, Dexter. Um, the bench has been a concern for the Knicks, right? No doubt. It's where are they going to get points beside quickly? You know, I thought today you got some good minutes from Hartenstein, uh, who I've been down on and, and probably wanted yeah. to get him out to JFK as soon as possible. Uh, <laughs> but he's been he used to be, he's been good lately. I got to give him credit. Like since that Cleveland game, he's been really good uh, in terms of some of his defense, actually, which I can't believe I'm saying. Yeah. And also in getting some rebounds. Now he missed some chippies tonight again too, which I think Knicks fans have been seeing. But I think you've got Solomon is from him. IQ, I was a little concerned about the bench in this game because once IQ was coming to be a starter with Brunson out, I thought that was a legitimate concern. Yeah. But you like how the bench, you like how the bench stepped up. You got some good minutes from Obi. Um, you got some good minutes from McBride tonight. Actually uh was able to hit, hit to hit had that one big three yes. in the fourth quarter. That was huge from him. I think that's big for them anytime they can get that. However, the fact that you just said Jay, that it was 20 to five at half and they were able to only lose and bench points by one in this game is huge. It's a huge factor in them winning this game. However, this is not sustainable against good teams, right? Like this mm-hmm. is something that needs to be a uh, concern with this team. It shows you why they need to upgrade their bench sport scoring. And I'm sure we'll get into that later with the trade deadline. But I think there's something that they need more oomph off the bench. This team still lacks shooting. Lee and I talked about that when he was mm-hmm. on with me. Uh, New York Post Sports the other day, they need shooting badly on this team. And it's something that I think hurt hurts the Knicks in terms of closing games, right? Yeah. We can get to the turnovers and all that stuff. But when they have leads, because other teams can shoot the three ball better than them or have snipers, it's they have the ability to come back. So the reason Knicks can't come back in games, I think the reason they struggle sometimes to close games is the lack of shooting. Also, I can get into, which I know Lee agrees with me on this. Also, it is the lack of offensive creativity yes. that we see from the head coach in terms of the sets that are being run, which I think is a bit antiquated. I was texting with some friends about that the other day and also was talking with Lee about it, and I think that has to be better. But in terms of the bench, I think you should be encouraged by what you saw tonight, but cautious, especially when quickly in playoff of it, but still cautiously optimistic because I think the Knicks fans that are being level-headed about this know that this team still needs more off the bench in terms of a shooter or somebody that can score off the bounce. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's still a young bench um ob yeah. the the thing for me is we've really been missing something from hartenstein for a long time that's one area and we all, we've always been missing the three-point shooting miles mcbride has been up and down when it comes to three-point shooting today he was up and it was sorely needed he's still a young guy so i would like like i, I said this before i understand the, the need for three-point shooting but i also feel like you know I'm okay with the young guys getting their lumps. I'm not super concerned with with um I want to make the playoffs, but I'm not super concerned with getting a three-point shooter feuding veteran. You know what I mean? I'm more into getting right. having grooming our young guys. Unless what we bring here is a young, a young veteran or something that can grow with the team. So I'm cool with this and building the assets and giving them time at this moment but um i'm glad they were able to step it up today especially hartenstein um because i'm starting to feel like maybe hartenstein is getting his rhythm and maybe that can be real because this is more what the front office and even some knicks fans were crazy enough to think he was gonna challenge nicks uh, mitch for a starting spot yeah i still don't i still i, I still don't forget you all right <laughs> but <laughs> 
he's starting to step it up. So hopefully Mitch comes back, he can still find some comfort and maybe at least that part of the bench rotation problems could be solved, even though more of the three point um, conversation still might be have, you still might have to kind of look at that down the road and kind of fix that. Um, Ryan G, you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, the bench played good tonight. Like I said, in the fourth quarter, they were able to increase the lead. Um, back in the second quarter, you know, like I think the Knicks, one of the Knicks Achilles heel this season has been playing against zone defenses. Yes. Just the fact that, you know, that well, like Dexter pointed out, you know, there's not much creativity to the offense. So when teams play zone, Knicks are either selling for threes or they run isolation in zone and isolation in zone is never a great idea. You're going to fail every time against the zone defense. So what I did like about the second unit coming into the, you know, coming late in the third and in the fourth quarter is the fact that they starting to move the ball around. Great point. And that's what definitely helped them to break that zone defense that the Heat was playing. And that's what I definitely liked about their play today. And, you know, you know, McBride's two, three points were definitely major. You know, anything that McBride gives us is a huge plus on offense. And our team had good minutes as well, OB. So, I mean, overall, you know, the bench definitely performed well. I agree with Dex and I've been saying it for like the past few episodes. Like Knicks definitely need bench help. Like yeah. the Knicks carry on with the bench the way it is. You know, so I'm hoping that before the trade deadline they can bring in somebody that will help strengthen the bench. But the bench did play good tonight. They did. Lee? You know, when I hold that fire tip sign, it's it's more than just a prank. It, it's something that I really am speaking from the chest on that. And the reason is, is because we do have bench help. His name is Obi Toppin, and Tibbs refuses to play him over 20 minutes a game. Again, disrespecting my man with 14 minutes tonight, even though he shot 50% from the field, had a really nice, clean turnaround mid-range and a really clutch corner three as well to, to get back into the game in the early in the fourth. I'm just like, completely, that this man is completely disrespected night after night. You know, he's given, Fournier hasn't played in I don't know how many games. Guy comes in and plays 18 minutes, four more than Obi, one for seven from the field. But at what point is Thibodeau going to realize that he has the options on his bench to use to give us a spark, especially when Joyce Randall goes on his really terrible stretches where there's a lack of defensive IQ and bad turnovers. Obi should be getting more minutes with a 20-minute minimum. And also, it's Jericho Sims right now, really. He's just a placeholder. He's not really our starting center. The guy right now played 19 minutes, iHeart 29. I would argue that iHeart has outplayed Sims in the last couple of games, mm-hmm. but I think minutes should still be given to Sims. Sims should still have a shot. He shouldn't just be playing the majority of the first quarter and then sitting on a bench for the rest of the game. Like we need to be giving these in-game opportunities to improve his, his play against other starting caliber centers so that he can learn, add wrinkles to his offensive game, rebound as the best rebounders in the NBA, and actually play defense against guys that matter, not into the bench games, uh, into bench guys in garbage minutes. So, it's been really frustrating watching the way Tibbs has mishandled Obi Toppin and just appreciating his value as an asset and a human being. And I'm really fed up with it. I want to push back on that today, actually. But before I push back, I want to see if you guys have want to respond. Um, I will say this to to Lee's to Lee's point on that. I and it's a real, I know this is contentious among Knicks fans. I've been Knicks fans are always asking me this. I'm always talking about it. The OBE minutes. Um, do I think Tibbs should give Obi more minutes? Yes, I do. I think he should find ways. I would also like to see him. This goes to the, this is probably supporting Lee's point. He probably could hold up the fire Tibbs sign again, right? But <laughs> I think that the thing with Tibbs that I feel is legitimately frustrating to fans 
is okay. Look at the matchup sometimes. Yes. Even tonight against tonight against Miami, this is a time where you can go a little bit smaller. You can play some OB at the five. I know Tibbs values rim protection. I also like rim protection, but you can play a little bit of that. Give him two or three minute spurts in each half year, and that's maybe where you get OB's minutes closer to twenty or over twenty by doing that. Even that extra six minutes will just put you at at twenty. Um, I think the the unwillingness to diversify things within just lineups against certain teams and certain matchups, I think is a little bit, a little bit stubborn there. And listen, Toppin, when he first came back from the injury, you could tell he didn't have his legs. You yeah. start trying to get it back under him. Now he seems to, you can see how he's running yeah. the floor. Um, his legs look better on his shot. Um, and he's a spark. He's listen, look him and quickly. They are the guys that can really spark the offense off the bench that you can trust. And they have to lean in that to more because where I think is a fair criticism guys is look, you're still playing too many minutes with, to the starters. You see, yeah. you know, uh, Barrett 41 minutes today, quickly starting here at 37. Grimes also plays 37 and Julius played 34. You it's, talked about, I think we makes a good point about, <laughs> yeah. I want to see more minutes for Sims, too. I'm a Sims fan. I like Sims. And, in fact, I wouldn't mind if we saw Sims get the backup minutes when Robinson come, came came yeah. back. It wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all. But I think, you know, he's – you got you to gotta diversify the minutes more and not burn these players out before we get we get down the stretch. Fair point, too, Lee, about uh, Fournier coming in, which I'm fine with. I'm not necessarily mad at that because he did not play terribly in any kind of way, but – you know, you wonder are those more minutes that Obi could have had. I know you're down a guard, so I understand that too. But you wonder if there's more minutes that could have been had for Obi there. I think it's fair. It's fair to question that. Yeah. In general, it's fair to question Obi's minutes here and Tom's willingness not to go small. Today, I mean, today you have Hartenstein going and Obi was out there for a stretch in the fourth quarter until the, he started to make a comeback. And when he started to make a comeback, that's when he took him out and went back to Randall with like five minutes left. So I kind of get it a little bit today, um, but I also do agree that in general, Obi needs more time and that he we, needs, we need to experiment with the smaller lineup to get him that time. And Tom Thibodeau just hasn't been willing to do it, uh, which is why I feel like it's inevitable that he's, eventually has to be moved because he's just not going to be the true ob top in here even as much as i love that player um but it, it is what it is with, with ob at this point i uh it, it sucks to say but that's just the truth julius randall is an all-star um with julius randall being all-star julius randall is going to be even tougher last year i was all about ob getting all randall's minutes this year it's kind of it's tough to argue that it's really tough to argue that. So it's up to the coach to really expound his mind. And we really know what it is with Tibbs. He's very narrow-minded. And this is my way or the highway. And we are on his highway right now. It's, it just is what it is. Um, but I, I still like I still like the bench, man. The bench did a, a really good job today. Um, and usually, salute to the chat. Hold on, let me salute to the chat real quick. All right, John Chats to the chat. I shut down the phones because it was it was acting weird. It was a little echoing. That's why I shut down the phones. But usually I would say call in so you can talk next. But shout out to you guys in the chat. If you like the show so far, hit the like and subscribe button. And please give my man Dexter some love. We had a really good conversation um, behind the scenes. Really cool, dude. Uh, sh uh, so shout out to you guys and shout out to Dexter for being here. Oh, shout out to Into the Knicks verse. That's my guy. My guy, George. Shout out to the guy. Great Let's channel over there as well. George. Yeah. 
Shout out to King John, Alexander, Mike Uno, my real fake cousin, Winston Ellis. Everybody else is rocking with this show. I uh, love you guys. Support. Um, some more tips, praise Lee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust your head open with some tips, praise today. All right. So don't implode on me on screen. All right. <laughs> um, Is it me or did the fourth quarter look a little bit different? different offensively than we're used to seeing we've struggled in the clutch for most of the season i even have numbers we're ranked 13th offensively in first quarter second offensively in the second quarter but when it comes to the fourth quarter we are ranked 24th (laughs) so we have not performed well in the fourth quarter but today Without Brunson, even though there were some mistakes from some weird in-ground lineups that look kind of look like some Mighty Ducks type of eye formation thing. I didn't know what Tibbs was thinking there. But besides that, I felt like there was a lot of ball movement in the fourth quarter that I wasn't used to seeing. Was that just me? What did you guys think of the, the fourth quarter offense? I'll start with you, Dexter, since you you, you the guest. Um, so I, it's interesting you bring that up, JL, because I think that what can happen sometimes and what, what's, what's annoyed me watching the Knicks this year, particularly in late game situations is there seems to be a tendency to just play isolation ball with just Randall and Brunson. I'm not, and I want to be clear. So Knicks fans watching, listening, be very clear. I'm not, I am not saying that, uh, we do not need Jalen Brunson. That obviously would be ridiculous, but what I will say is that I think that because Jalen Brunson has been such a good facilitator, because you can trust him so much down the stretch, and I think most logical Knicks fans are going to say, yeah, trust the ball in his hands down the stretch. When you watch the Knicks, and some of this is Tibbs, and some of this could be also on the team, I think there's been a tendency to be like, okay, yeah, he's got the ball, so we're just going to stand back yeah. and let him do his thing. And then you become reliant on that. You, you understand what I'm saying? This, this is what continuously happens you become reliant on it and i think that's how bad habits form and you're not moving the ball now that comes back to coaching which is going to make lee happy right it comes (laughs) back to coaching in the fact that the coach has to stop and say hey we got to move the ball this is how we have to play in the fourth quarter we can't just go to iso ball today to your point jl they didn't because brunson's not there they couldn't just sit back and be like oh we're going to let him do it so iq is going to move the ball a little bit more because that's the role he's kind of used to in coming off the bench and that's what you're going to see. Point being is they could take something from certain things that we saw today in the fourth quarter from the Knicks in terms of ball movement and how it didn't get as stagnant. Now, they need to clean up on the turnovers because that's what almost made them lose this game mm-hmm. It's the turnovers. They need to clean up on that. But I think, you know, it did look a little different, but I think it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Brunson wasn't there. But I think it's more of the other players being reliant on Brunson so much in the caretaking ability for him to handle things instead of saying that, okay, you know, we can move the ball more again. I know I'm, I'm throwing Lee a lob here. I get it. (laughs) I'm I'm not saying, I'm not saying five tips. I'm not pulling out the five tips side. I'm not going that far, but that does come down to coaching. And I do think that's something that um, has to be pushed down the stretch. I actually wondered for Brunson who was sick. If he's watching it, he was watching this game. I'm sure if he's well, we wish him well to get better, but Brunson was sick is watching that and saying, all right, when he's back, hey guys, this is how we got to move the ball in the fourth quarter, right? 
And I think a lot of it just comes down to not just really more so Brunson, it's really more Julius, I will say this too, because mm-hmm. he's the one who has a tendency to really hold the ball a lot yes. and not necessarily make the best decisions. And we know what Brunson has done for Julius this year. The reason Julius is an all-star, and I said this in a video I recorded a little earlier, is because of what Brunson has done, his ability to break down the defenses and make the game better where he doesn't have to have the ball in his hand so much. The problem is for Knicks fans, when you're watching these games, it seems like it's just Brunson and or Randall that has the ball in his hands. One other thing I'll add, guys, sorry I'm long-winded on this. Go ahead. I think another good thing that we saw was when RJ got the ball yes. on possessions in the fourth quarter, he made very quick, decisive decisions, which were to go to the rack. That also helps as well, too. RJ, I believe, had four assists tonight. He also did a pretty good job early on in the game of looking for other people when the shot was in fall. But I thought late in the game, his decisions were very decisive. It wasn't holding the ball. Wait, he got it. He was going to go. You know, one, two, boom, let's go. And I think that's more of the other thing. Another person I'm going to give a shout-out to in the offense in the fourth quarter I thought was really good that played in the flow of the offense was Quentin Grimes. I thought he played really well, made some good decisions playing. And Grimes is becoming an underrated passer. Y'all saw that pass he had when uh, Hartenstein was cutting, and he hit him off for for the jam. So when the Knicks move the ball – they they can be dangerous. They have the talent to be a much better offensive team than what we have seen. The problem is their sets still look like it's 2005, and they do a lot of isolation ball, and that's that's got to stop. <laughs> go ahead. I don't, I I know we Lee might want to go. Ryan, you haven't talked in a while. Rocky <laughs> scissors. Go ahead. All right. I guess I'll, I guess I'll just jump in. Um, yeah, the fourth quarter definitely look different. They definitely moved the ball around more. Um, and I think that's what contributed to their win because, you know, when you're in isolation against teams that play good defense, you know, that's never a good solution. That's not how you're going to break them down. You're only going to break them down by ball movement. And of course, you know, Brunson being there probably did help because, you know, Brunson does like to hold the ball more and isolate. And I, you know, I've talked about this on previous, you know, episodes as well. Like sometimes when you have a player and who isolates often, Sometimes it kind of discourages like the other players to even move on offense because, you know, because they're, they're not really expecting the ball back because they're just expecting this guy to just, you know, take the ball and take his defender one on one and get his own shot. So I would like it, you know, if Brunson comes back, you know, to try to convince the guy to, you know, get a bit more, you know, movement off the ball, because I do believe Brunson is a good enough pass and he has good enough point vision to where if guys do cut off, you know, cut off the ball, he mm-hmm. will find them for easy baskets. But, yeah, I mean, I do hope that the Knicks can continue this, you know, move the ball around more, you know, get more guys involved, try to get easier shots and rather than just going to Brunson and Randall route and just doing isolation all the time and just hope and pray that either they make the shot or if they get double teamed, that they make the right pass. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Go ahead, Lee. I'm ready to catch that lob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think it's 50-50. On the net side, this team – by having, you know, Alfred Payton and Kimba Walker employed the point for the last two years, they've gotten used to facilitating uh, outside of the point guard position, getting the offense going, running it through Randall, running it through RJ. So at this point, I think they can actually sustain losing Brunson a little bit better than losing Randall for a game. You have guys like RJ Barrett, four assists, IQ, four assists, Grimes, three. Randall sits. Even Evan Fournier finally been able to unlock his playmaking. I hope we're able to do that with Hartenstein sometime soon as well. But we have a lot of guys who are able to mix it up and are used to not playing without a point guard run the offense that have the ability to facilitate on their own. So that helped the Knicks. 
Brunson mm-hmm. sitting and uh, Ryan had a great point. Nobody has a higher usage rate and more on-ball rate mm-hmm. than Brunson on this team. He just dribbles the air out of the ball, and it usually turns into a bucket, but not a bucket for anyone else but himself. On the opposite end, with the Miami Heat, their point of attack was really awful tonight, especially when the ball was in the hands of Jimmy Butler, who finished with only 10 points, and Kyle Lowry, who had zero oh, points, he's a shell zero assists, and zero rebounds in the first half. I mean, IQ and, and um, Deuce McBride really shut him down in the first half, not even being able to get a shot off. It was masterful defense by IQ in the first half. I, I wanted that man his flowers. He's been unbelievable off the bench and in the starting role. But I think really limiting the Heat's point of attack, forced turnovers, and caused him to, to get more transition opportunities. And then the Dexter's point, that's when RJ, that's like RJ had to make a decision to either rim read and give a good pass or spray it out or get an, an easy uh, step to the basket. He had a couple of really nice uh changing directions, uh, driving to the lane and getting a really nice hoop around the basket. I was impressed by RJ's ability driving tonight. But I think playing off of Miami Heat's awful offense, who gets almost as stagnant as New York's, since Kyle Lowry's way past his prime, they have a difficult time initiating their own offense, too. They don't have a whole lot of one-on-one guys. Uh, Tyler Hero was really the only guy who was able to facilitate for others besides himself and had the best game probably him and, and Bam on the team. Yeah. I really like when RJ Barrett just goes downhill in general. Um, the finishing has always been a point of contention for him. Like I said, he's this is the best he's been finishing at the rim all year. I haven't looked at the stats in a while, but I think he's at like 58% right now, which isn't super high, but it's highest in his career. And if he keeps trending his direction, I think it'll end up being his strength by the end of the year. And and maybe the the optics on RJ Barrett as a whole will change for Knicks Nation and the nba hopefully you know i I still believe in you rj even though people was kind of counting you out all right i think you can pull it out the bodman did it today shout out to you rj barrett shooting you the gunshots today all right all right (laughs) uh let's talk about some other stuff too um man yesterday was a was a doozy yesterday Ian is, is is dropping some some bombs over here in, in these streets on Twitter and in his articles. <laughs> it was getting a little bit spicy. And I, I was reading this like, I can't believe what I'm reading. It almost seems gossip column me. But he does it. It's funny because Ian does it in his Ian way where he's like, I can't tell you for sure if this is the case. But this is what I heard. <laughs> is that right? So I love the way Ian reports it. But so if you guys haven't heard cam reddish um you already guys know cam reddish hasn't really touched the floor for the knicks in a long time and ian begley's reported that cam reddish had an issue with the way tom thibodeau was using him he reached out to us an assistant coach and Ever since then, coincidentally, he hasn't played um, a game since then, and he hasn't even played in garbage time, which is interesting to me. And me, me personally, I I get a lot of hate for for doing this online, but I, I do feel like a lot of Knicks fans overrate Cam Reddish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dexa, the, the, you don't have to say anything out loud, Dexa. I want you to still have fans. People hate me already for saying that. But, nah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, we actually went on an eight game winning streak since he's been benched, right? 
But I will say this. If it is indeed that he hasn't got any playing time just because he expressed this pleasure with this role, if that's the reason why he hasn't gotten playing time, then Bruh. the biggest brother tips, because yeah. there's definitely times where even though I felt like we went on winning streak without Cam Reddish, there was definitely times and the, the Spurs game really sticks out to me where we, we only had seven guys. We were getting killed by long winged offensive plays by the Spurs. And we needed a long wing to combat that. And we just kind of overran our players. And if Tibbs didn't play him because he was displeased with that, then Bruh. dude, come on, man, grow up. He's 60 something. I hope that's not the case. That just sounds ridiculous though, man. That text him, man. Tell me something. I would say, I would say, this is what I will say. I would tell people it sounds ridiculous. It sounds petty as hell. Yeah. And it probably is. But considering some things that I had heard before the season started, okay? I and I, I said this on another show, so I'll say it here. Um, I had heard from people that know that, you know, can, can, and this has been reported to that Tibbs was not really a big fan of Cam. And I don't think he, and I know that he really wasn't before the season and would have liked to have seen him off the roster. Now, it's funny. I was talking to somebody else about this, JL. I was talking to somebody else about this. And it was right before, it was maybe a little bit before the Knicks were on their streak. And then they'd had the loss in Dallas, which was absolutely terrible, in San Antonio. And uh, yes, I know, Lee, you were at the game. You had messaged me after that. <laughs> yes, you know, and, Lee. You know, you know. Lee let me know he was feeling the pain. And um, <laughs> I thought the same thing as you, JL, is when they did not play him in that San Antonio game. I was like, oh, it's a wrap for dude, right? Yep. Like he, this is not, this is not happening anymore. Exactly what you said. If you don't, this is what I'll say. And I'm not saying this with any def any definitiveness or reporting on this at all whatsoever. So I don't want, I don't want to say that. But I do, I can tell you, I know Tibbs is not a fan of Cam Reddish, um, especially particularly his defensive effort. But you think with coaching, you want to do what's best to win, right? So if you need the bodies, you think you're going to play them. And right. I, understand, I understand all, all that, whatever. I also do tend to agree with Jay Ellis here that I do think Knicks Nation tends to overrate Cam Reddish a little bit, right? Like, he did play well. Now, do I think it was fair that when he had the bad defensive situations against Dallas, the home Dallas game, because obviously he didn't play in the road Dallas game, which is pretty much was the end for, it was a wrap for him after that. Mm -hmm. Did he need to get benched or pulled? Fine. But I don't know why, how he didn't earn his way. It was the opportunity to put Grimes in the starting lineup. Grimes went to the starting lineup. He's never left the starting lineup at all whatsoever. Um, but I think what the thing, the point that I was going to make here is that what we have to look at with this would Ian coming out and re reporting this and Ian doesn't report anything. I don't have to justify him as a reporter. He's a good friend and a great reporter. I've known him a long time. Um, nothing that's not true. Absolutely. This is Cam's camp coming and The timing is very interesting, guys. This is Cam's camp coming out, knowing that we are, this was now, now we're a week away, eight days before the trade deadline. And let's put this out there because I want it to be known. I want off this team. I want off this ship. Y'all need to move me. Now, one of the interesting things that I thought Ian quoted from his camp was that he said that he's not interested 
um, in any DMPs. And to that, I was like, well, what are you going to do if they don't trade you? There's not much he can do at yeah. all whatsoever. But I think the Knicks, what I would say is they probably need to get him off the team because I foresaw this coming. If they didn't move him, and I've talked to other people about this, if they didn't move him, it's going to become contentious. He's going to become a malcontent. It's not energy you want nope. around the team. The problem for the Knicks is you gave a first rounder for him. Everybody in the world knows he doesn't want to be there. Everybody also knows that you're trying to trade him. So you don't have much value. At this point, if the Knicks can get a second round pick back, they better consider themselves happy because I don't think there's much else they can do. Um, and no, I'm going to be honest. Do I think Cam Reddish could help this team with bench scoring right now? Maybe. Maybe he could. But I don't know if it would make that much of a difference, right? Like, I don't think Cam Reddish is saving this team in any way. It's a failed experiment. It's bad. Is Tibbs probably being a little bit petty or a lot petty here? Yes. Is that probably a good look for your coach? No. <laughs> but here we are. This is what it is. It's all ammunition more for Lee to hold up the fire tip. <laughs> Let's go. This, Let's this go. is what Lee is going to do. Yeah. Right? Like, this, this is what it's going to do. So, it's, it's, a, um, it's a situation that I think is going to be resolved. I think Reddish gets moved. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up on the Lakers. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he plays there. And I know Nick fans will be sick to his stomach, sick to their stomach, but it wouldn't shock me. But the Knicks don't have much leverage here. Um, yeah. I'm not also sure how much leverage Reddish has, but I think the Knicks probably want him off the team because it sounds like he's letting it be known this is a contentious situation. I don't want to be around it. We'll see how that unfolds. Yeah. And him and OG, don't they have the same agency? So that's 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 a bad Both look. Both Rich Paul clutch clients. You're yep. right. You're right about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that's not good at all. Uh, go ahead, Ryan G. You go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so what I want to know is when Cam made those comments, was that before or after the Dallas game? That's a great question. Wait, you talking about the first Dallas game, Ryan? No, the one the, the one, one that the last the second game. Dallas game. I know why he's I saying that know. too. Yeah, because I'm saying if he made those comments before the Dallas game. Maybe that explains his effort in the Dallas game, why he showed up and he didn't play good and he didn't play well at all, which eventually led to his benching. And yeah, Thibs is petty Pendergrass. He's petty LaBelle. (laughs) 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 But yeah, like the whole camp situation, like I agree with pretty much everything, you know, Dex has said and pretty much everybody's been saying, you know, I do think that there were certain times in the season where Cam could have gotten playing time. And if Cam really just said that he don't, he, that he didn't like his role in the team, like I don't think that warrants benching somebody and not have them play at all. Yeah. You know, you know, you have a lot of players where in the league where I'm pretty sure they don't like their role in the team and whether they voice it or not, but they still play though. You know, they still contribute to the team regardless. So I really don't I really don't know the reasoning as to why he's being benched if he said that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, Cam needs to be moved. I mean, it really makes no sense for him to stay on the roster because he's not being used. And, you know, just and just having to have having him there accumulate DMPs like that really can't be, you know, a good thing for like, you know, the rapper within the locker room, you know. I think, you know, guys like Rose, Fournier are probably more, you know, they're more like, 
I guess they're more accepting. Like, they don't like the fact that they don't play, but they're not the guys that's going to really, like, mess up a locker room. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to really make a whole lot of noise where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not getting playing time. I want off this team. So, you know, the fact that Cam is, you know, Cam's camp is making that kind of noise saying that, you know, they don't like, the, you know, he doesn't like his role on the team and he doesn't want to be here. Like, yeah, that makes it essential on the, on the next to move, move. You just have to bite the bullet. You know, I mean, if it's a personal thing, then I can see why we make noise, though, because, like, the whole... Tibbs, the Tibbs not liking Cam narrative has been around since last year. So if that's actually true and it's now I'm in my contract year and you're DNP me even when half the team is injured, like I'm I can't blink it. And I'm and I'm saying that as a guy who who's not the biggest Cam fan, but if I'm in that situation, I might do what Cam did. You know, it's like that's human nature. I want to add one thing because here's the thing too, right? Like I think that the thing that probably annoys Tibbs about this whole situation when I read Ian's quote on that is that Cam, remember in that quote, Cam went to one of the assistants Mm. to let the assistants know that he didn't like it. It's almost like he couldn't go talk to Tibbs directly. So it makes you wonder two things, right? Either Cam didn't feel like he could speak to him straight up right? or it had been so contentious between them before that that there was no opportunity for them to speak straight up. And either way, you got to look at when things are released and leaked and all this stuff and how this goes. It's also trying to make Tibbs look bad in this situation. And I'm kind of with you on this, um, Jay Ellis, on this too, right? It's the only card that Cam could play here, right? Like you might not like it. You might not like the way you went about it or whatever it may be, but it's the only card he could play. And it's like, he's trying to, he's trying to get PT and get somewhere else where he's trying to go. So this is the card you could play yeah. when you're eight days away from the trade deadline, and it is what it is. It's contract uh, year. Like, now that's dead. So it's like, don't get me out right. of here. <laughs> right. Get me out I, of I here. I think there's, there's blame on all three parties. Cam Reddish is definitely overrated. I've been harsh on Tibbs' handling of this situation, but that doesn't mean that Cam Reddish has not given consistent effort on defense or played within whatever system Tibbs is running consistently on offense either. I think he's been kind of like looking after his own stats for the most part and playing a lot of ISO ball when he, when he was out there in early in the season. So I, I'm not like, let's keep Cam at all costs. Let's give him 25 minutes game. I'm not on that boat, but I do think there's been some heavy pettiness on Tibbs' side and we're stuck in a time loop. This isn't the first time that Tibbs has done this. Tibbs did this in Minnesota with Zach Levine, with Jimmy Butler, mm. he has a history of rubbing guys the wrong way because he's always been his way or the highway on defense, on offense, and rotations. I mean, I got a quote here. This is from Taj Gibson, his right-hand man, his number one intern. He's like a kid playing 2K. He's always raging no matter what. He's raging throughout the whole game. He doesn't care. He's always on you, good or bad. He's on you. You just got to block him out sometimes. That's Taj Gibson, bro. Been with him with <laughs> all three stops. This man is a petty 13-year-old going through puberty, getting in field <laughs> the very first time. This is who he is. Yeah. This is who he's going to be. He's 65 years old, been coaching for 15 years. He should be a defensive expert as an assistant coach, not a head coach. Man has a three-year timetable, and he's hit an expiration date. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you the facts. I also think it's on Leon Rose for going after a guy he knew didn't fit his best friend's game plan and depreciating the first-round pick in order to get him. There needs to be some blame on Leon Rhodes for even getting Cam Reddish in the first place, knowing he didn't fit, knowing Tibbs yeah. didn't want him. Is there not communication back and forth between those two boomers on who they want on the team and who they don't? Come on, man. Like, there needs to be better communication 
and more transparent communication with the players that you're bringing in through trades, free agency, and draft. That's fair. That's a, that's 100 fair. All, all good points, Lee. It's the lob slam dunk that. It's, it's like, but even if I'm Leon Rose, right? I have Kevin Knox here who hasn't worked out. I have these a first round pick who's heavily protected. I'm not giving Kevin Knox any bread. I don't blame him for making that move and kicking the can down the road and bringing a guy here who has upside and people around the league thinks that. Like, I feel like as a front office, if even knowing what I know today, if faced with that same decision as a front office last year, like it still makes sense to me. But it's like, but I don't know. It's like, but Tom, Tom got to get Tisby Tibbin, man. Tisby, Tisby, yes, too. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Like, I understand the whole thing with Kevin Knox and, you know, having him, you know, moving him somewhere else to where, you know, he can get playing time elsewhere and bringing in somebody that could, Phipps could possibly use to, you know, you know, to get playing time to and improve the team. But I think at the same time, like, I'm a firm believer in, you know, yeah, you yeah, for, as a front office, you know, you, you build the team, you know, you bring in players through trade, you sign free agents or whatever the case may be to improve the roster. But I think at the same time, like, I feel like the front office should be on the same they, they should at least you know have a rapper with the coach as well you know you should know what kind of players your coach wants what kind of players your coach is going to play you know players fit that coach's system or whatever the case may be so it's like at the front office you can't just make a trade and be like okay we're going to bring this player in and not even consult with the coach you know whether that player is going you know if he's if he's okay with that player being on the roster and if he fits his system or whatever the case may be like that's to be at least some line of communication, you know, before you make a move like that and be like, okay, you know, like at least go up to Dibs and be like, all right, we're thinking about bringing in this player. Is this a player that fits the system? Is this a player that you're going to use and play? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I have mixed feelings. I have mixed oh. feelings about that because Tibbs got fired from the Timberwolves because he was the GM. So do I really just want to bring every single player that Tom wants to bring in? Like, are we still trying to bring back Reggie Bullock because Tom Thibodeau likes him? No, like I, I like, I don't know, man. Like, this is a team sport. This is a whole team. It's not Tom's way or the highway. It's, I, I get both sides, but man. Like, but that's I don't the thing. know. That's, a, that's the thing, right, Jay Ellis, right? You, you, I think this is a interesting point for Knicks, the Knicks team and fan base and everything, because this shows you why coaching matters. I was just talking about this on the show the other day. Coaching matters. And also the the way what Ryan's talking about and Lee is also talking about the way the front office and the coaches work together, right? Like everybody's got to, you're not always going to agree, but you got to try to be on page or on the same page, excuse me, and have the same vision of what you're trying to get to. And I think it's fair for some people to look at the Knicks and question, what is exactly that vision, right? Like, what is it they're yeah. trying to do? What kind of team they're trying to build? build? And where I am with Tibbs. I am not as I am not as far as Lee, right? Like I'm not on the, the holding up the fire tip sign, but I do think I'm at the point now where I'm looking at this Knicks team, and you look at the issues, the offensive issues. Forget the camp stuff, but you look at the offensive issues, and I'm like, okay, maybe Tibbs has done his job here. Maybe he's come in, he's changed the culture, which has been good. He's got them to the play. He's got them. To, if this year to make the playoffs is two out of three years. This is much better than Nick fans have seen in pretty much the last 10 to 15 years, okay? He's done that, but now it's time for another voice to take them to another level to bring the things that is on fest that they can do offensively and defensively. Somebody could come in and say, 
this is who we're going to play. We're going to invest into these young players. This is our core. Yeah. Obi's going to make sure he gets his minutes, right? Because I'm, I'm actually sick and tired of having a conversation with Knicks fans, why Obi doesn't get more minutes and all this other stuff. I think what Knicks fans want is what is the direction of the team, right? Like where they're going. They do have an identity. I don't want to say they don't. This is a hard, scrappy team that people don't want to play. And I like how they play. Right, especially all of us who grew up in the '90s watching Knicks, you're gonna like the way they play a little bit to some degree, but the offense can't look like it's the '90s, and that's part of the problem, right? We got things have to have to change with that, and I wonder if I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I wonder how, if it's time for a new voice. And uh, Ime Odoka is out there waiting oh, yeah. out a job, and I would not mind uh, if the Knicks went and hired him. I think that would not be a bad move at all. I, I knew I loved you, Dexter. <laughs> 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 wins bro Dexter this has Except been I'm not holding a t- up the five tip sign <laughs> this has been a topic of conversation here for the last pretty month um I will say this I'm moving closer to Lee side this week because of the last couple of games um mm. the last game specifically with the Julius Randle ISO on the right side of the ball today's win might have bought my headspace a slight a little bit more time but i've always said to with lee that i already knew for the future tom thibodeau isn't going to be the coach to bring us to the promised land because of his inadequacies as a guy who can adjust on the fly and be like an offensive coach but he is what he is right he's a, he's a culture setter he set our culture on the right trajectory and for us i always felt like if we can get to the playoffs with this coach and have this look of a pristine franchise we'll be that much closer to bringing in an all-star because we look like a stable a stable franchise and then we can switch out the coach maybe a year uh next year or so so that's why i always was like i know he's not going to coach he's not the coach of the future for me but maybe if we just hold on and keep progressing in the right direction, then we'll be fine. And it was easier to say that when you're on an eight game winning streak, seeing some of these problems, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Now I feel, I feel you on that, but I think I think that's not a, a crazy thought or thinking, right? Like I'm not on the let's fire tips tomorrow, you know, situation. I'm not really on that, but I just wonder if at the end of year three, we've kind of run the course that we've got there, especially they make the playoffs two years in a row, like they said, or they are right. competitive in the playoffs this year. Like you said, um, Jonathan, I think, I think it's that I'm just wondering, are we approaching this time? And I, I, I was probably more on the other side of where Lee was and being like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the t- the tips train. Like, I think you can get it done. You know, I, I didn't mind the hire when they made it, but I think I was kind of like you, Jonathan, where it was just, I know what this is. So in a weird way, I'm not that mad at it. Like, I, I understand what it is. It's just the the scary thing is, and I wonder if this is what happens with Lee, is that you don't, you hope that the organization and team, they don't try to go too far down the road. And they're like, oh, man, let's squeeze another year out of this. Sometimes you got to recognize when something is what it is, right. and you are where you are, or it might be a sunk cost or whatever you want to call it. And this is just it. But now we got to try to get it to the, to the next level. You know, I know we don't want to talk about the, the Nets here, but even the Nets recognized that recently with Steve Nash and Jock Vaughn. And we've seen the impact that Jock Vaughn has had right. on changing the culture in that team. And probably, I don't think, I don't know if they'll get to the next level because they're a head case, but maybe um, changing that in that way. Sometimes you have to look and say, you know what? 
This ain't it. Yeah. Um, this but, is good, but we need to we need to do better. We look competent, but we need to be better. Yeah. I mean, and it's easy to recognize with the Nets because if you have Kevin Durant and freaking Kyrie yes. Irving, you shouldn't be like yeah. one in twenty, you know? So right, it's like right. it's very obvious. Right. With the Nets, with us, it's like, okay, he wasn't the he wasn't the first option on his team. You know, Julius Randle wasn't the guy last year. We don't have a quote unquote superstar here. So it's harder it's harder to say if it's coaching. Now we know it's some coaching problems are happening, but it's harder to say talent versus coaching, which is a bigger piece of the blame pie, is what I'll say. Right. He's I, listen, I I think when you look at it, like I think what you have to ask yourself is is he getting the most he can out of this team? It's fair. It's a fair if somebody wants to say no because you could look at the Knicks games and say there's probably I could say three to four games they legitimately should have won extra that mm-hmm. because they blew or didn't close it out on crunch time, right? We could right. say that. But does Tibbs probably have this team talent wise right around what they should be? Yeah, he does. He's not a terrible coach, um, and I don't we, I don't think we should be Debbie Downers because you know look the Knicks are three games over 500. They just ended the two game skid. They beat the Heat. They're not in a bad spot. That was a big game for them beating the Heat because they're ahead of them in the standings. They're not in a bad spot. This is a team that can finish top six in the playoffs. I think they can win 43, 44 games. I think that's possible. All things I thought before the season. So at the end of the day, I'm not really, you know, I I don't think you could look at the Knicks and say this, this they're in a bad spot. They still have a lot of picks. They're in the middle, but they have options with their picks and things they have. I think it's just about how they make the moves, what moves they make, and also what they decide to do with coaching, because I think that's part of the moves too, and getting the front office and coaching staff aligned together, like myself, Ryan, and and Lee were all saying. I think all that stuff matters, but I don't think the Knicks are in a bad spot. I Me think, neither. I think fans should actually look at this and say, yo, this team is w- way more competent than they've been in a long time. Like, when's the last time we really talked about some scandals or ridiculousness with the Knicks or anything like that? You know, the worst it's thing last year was like, Julius Randle going like this. That was the worst thing we saw last year. If that's the if that is the low of Nick problems, which shows you how low they were before, it's a lot better situation yeah. um, now. It's not that bad. That's all I'm saying. Listen, I see people in the chat that are being like, "Oh, I want y'all angry after a win." I think it's healthy to be objective. And Ryan, I, I know Ryan's yeah. the same way to to give proper due and credence to the good and the bad of every element of our team, from the ownership to front office coaching and players on down. I also think this is not seven years ago where it was mm-hmm. David Fisdale, Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornchek. These are objectively bad coaches, people who should not be given a job. And I would put Steve Nash in the same category to ever coach a professional basketball team as the head of the snake ever. <laughs> I, I remember yelling, stream Derek Fisher in my grungy, nasty apartment to my roaches and the rats. They were hanging out on the wall. I was dead broke. They were the only people who listened to me. So I live in Dallas. <laughs> no friends over here besides my pops. So the roaches were like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But I wanted him gone because I felt like he wasn't a good basketball, high basketball IQ, competent tactician. Tom Thibodeau, I don't feel that way about. Tom Thibodeau right. is an above average coach who has marked and measured success come into bad teams, not just bad teams, desperate franchises, taking them out of the sewer in the gutter and making them respectable. He did it with Chicago, he post-Jordan, he did it with Minnesota, he post-Kevin Love, and he did it now with the Knicks. Yeah. Post-David Fisdale, Steve Mills, and KP. He did it. But it's also okay and healthy to project into the future and say, well, if we did have an SGA, 
or we had a Anthony Edwards. Could the Tibbs take that centerpiece now mm. and the supporting cast we have and win a championship with it? And when I look at all the evidence that it isn't statistically, I say, hell no. Yeah. And I get even more frustrated when I look at the trades because I really think Leon Rose has given draft control to probably Worldwide West and Walt Parrott. I really believe they're the ones making the calls on the draft. I think Tibbs really focuses on trades and free, and free agent signs. I might be wrong. This is all speculation. But I think he's done a pretty bad job outside of Brunson and bringing in guys that Tibbs can use. Derek Rose might be the exception, but Albert Burtz, Nerlens Noel, those re-signings didn't work out. Kimball Walker, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, those didn't work out. There needs to be better unison. You would think the two best friends like Tibbs and Leon would have better synergy working together and communicating to building a roster that made sense for all parties involved. And they have it. And to uh, me, that's an issue. And I also worry about Leon Rose ever firing this guy because they're also best friends and the optics would be awful to hire your splat, to fire your splashes higher. I save us every opportunity I can. He will, he will play out his five-year contract. Uh, well, that's not going to make you happy. I like, I like the Allie Burks. Birds wasn't good for us though. First was a good signing. It just went bad when Tibbs started to use him as a point guard. Yeah, but I still feel like Birds was a good signing. I'm just that's just me. His normal position, like he was, he was actually productive for the Knicks. He was was very productive. I just want to, I just want IQ to play smarting point guard last year instead of Alec Burks. Alec Burks should just been a wing, but that's a whole other story. That's off of the tangent. I get the sentiment, and guys, we talked all the good stuff early on. The conversation has evolved since then. All right, but salute to the chat. Shout out to everybody. Let me get to these super chats because I was waiting for a, a nice time to break, um, but the conversation w- w- was flowing. I didn't want to break the flow. So shout out to the super chats. We got a five out super chat from Gamers Channel. Shout out to you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You've been super chatting it up for uh, this week. Thank you, Gamer Channel. And shout out to the preacher, Jay Boogie. He sends a $10 super chat. Says, shout out to the chat. Blessings, health, happiness to all. Big shout out to Julius, a.k.a. the Black Messiah, a.k.a. Kodak Randall. <laughs> Top of the all-star. We back in Utah. Big up the panels on Target. Hit that like button. Shout out to my guy. Sending us a love. All right. Oh, man. Good combo, guys. Um, I'm going to just get to some a little bit of OG news, and, and we can we can end it there. Um, so, Dexter, you already know Knicks are in the OG on a Nobi hunt. Yep. And we are not the only ones, all right? Because before, I was like, oh, yeah, it's us and the Phoenix Suns. Nah, it's us, the Phoenix Suns, and half of the NBA now. I heard the Pelicans are one in. I've heard yep. the Lakers won in, but I don't, the Lakers don't really have much to offer. But I've heard like there's other teams um, who actually won in. Um, where do you stand on the Knicks acquiring uh, Ananobi? Because I know the rumor was the Knicks uh, offered three first round picks. So first, do you feel like that's too high of a price? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I, I'll, so. I like OG Ananobi a lot. I think he's a nice piece to add to your team that I think he's going to be a really good player on a championship team, right? Like he could be a good third option. The thing is, OG Ananobi on the Knicks would be nice. The question is, what's the price and what are you giving up, right? Like three first rounders, and I'd like to know what the protections on those are. That that would matter to me too, is a lot. Um, and also, I think if you're the Knicks right now, and this goes back to what we were talking about before, where you are right now in terms of your team development matters. 
Okay, if you get OG Ananobi, what does that make you? Does that make you a top four team in the East? I would say no. Does that get does that give you a first round win? Is that a team that could really do something with what's currently constructed? Probably not. Um, and, and if listen, if Masai Ujiri, who's fleeced the Knicks once before, actually twice, you might look at it. Um, he's going to try to get a lot here, and three first round picks is a lot. Now, just because that's out there, guys doesn't mean that that's what the cost is going to be. You know what I mean? Masai Mijuri might float out three, but he's really trying to get two. This is how this stuff goes, right? Mm-hmm. And also, sometimes we've seen teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves overpay for Rudy Gobert. And this is something I've been saying, you know what I mean? It's, it's the almost the anti of the fat Joe, yesterday's price is not today's price, right? Like, right. just because somebody was yesterday's sucker, and paid a high price for something doesn't mean that like everybody else is going to do it in terms of trades following that. I think OG would be a nice piece that could fit into what the Knicks culture is right now. I'm just not sure that's the move they need right now and how that really moves the needle for them. I might think a little bit lower. I might think about a Malik Beasley, um, maybe trying to get him with a package with Jared Vanderbilt. But see, all these players have high interest. We're talking about teams like Toronto, who everybody knows they might want to sell all their players. Utah, we all know they're going to try to sell every, all, all their players. Um, their, their team is looking to sell. So the competition is going to be fierce, as you mentioned, Jay Ellis, that a lot of people are going to go for them. If I'm the Knicks, like if it was two picks, would I think about it? Probably. Okay. I think about it. You know, if, if it's two picks and, um, you know, besides, I don't see how Masai wouldn't want either IQ or Grimes. And if I'm the that. Knicks right now, do you want to give those players up? Hell, I'm not saying that they're the greatest untouchable players for you not to give up, but do you not want to give those players up for OG Ananobi? If you weren't going to give some of those players up for Donovan Mitchell, you can't just yeah. hand them over for OG Ananobi. And that's no shade to OG Ananobi, who's a very good player. I'm just saying I don't think it's worth the price, and I don't think it necessarily moves the needle for the Knicks mm-hmm. to just lock down the sixth seed or something. I don't think it's necessarily worth it. That's I, I think there's maybe a fringe move. I don't remember if it was Ryan, you said this earlier um, about maybe you get a, a shooter that's that's younger, not an old vet. That might have been you, Lee. Not necessarily to get an old vet, but a, a younger shooter, whether it's like a Josh Hart, uh, a Malik Beasley, like I mentioned. I would love Josh um, Hart. Yeah, I like Josh Hart too. I think he would be a good fit. I think a move more in that vein, somebody that you could bring in that can add to the culture of what you had without having to give up too much and shake Shake up too much. I, look, the Knicks still need a star. We all know this. This team is going to need a star player that can elevate others. They do not have that. They are. A, it's a nice team, nice little team, plays hard, fans like it. But to get to the next level, they need a star. OG Ananobi, to me, is better suited to go to a team, maybe like a Phoenix, a Memphis, that needs that kind of third, fourth piece that can push them over the top. And see, that's a team I think that might be willing to give up two, three first-round picks. The Knicks, where they are right now, not really sure OG is is worth that price. Yeah. I don't know if you guys you already know my stance. I said my stance a million times. <laughs> but well, I, what you want you want OJ? You want OG John? I, yeah, I'm cool with OG. And for me, it's all about protections. Like we have these, we have this Wizards pick and these Detroit picks that you know they're like protected. They're like what top 15 protected picks. Right. But, they're not gonna convey for a couple of years. You're right. right. Like if you're giving them the protected picks, I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm definitely not giving them nobody named IQ 
or Grimes. I'm not doing that at all. If you want IQ or Grimes, I'm walking away. You can have that. <laughs> but I I would definitely consider moving Obi considering his situation here, knowing that he's not going to, you know, really get the time he needs to be Obi. And even with Randall here and the way this system is run, he's not going to be able to you're never going to really see Obi Toppin's value rise to the the rise to a place where you can be like, all right, he's a first round pick if I trade him because he just doesn't have the time to to prove it. So I would do something like that. Um, and when it comes to Malik Beasley, I anybody who struggles defensively in general, I'm very wary yeah. of bringing here. So that's the Malik Beasley falls into that category for me. Um, Sadiq Bey, I know people argue Sadiq Bey was a better defender earlier in college and his first year, but last year, you know, he, this year, I mean, he's been shaky. So I'm, yep. I'm kind of nervous about bringing him here and have tips tip. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so. <laughs> you, you, you made me, you made me, you made me think of something, Jonathan, that I hadn't considered. I hadn't really thought about Obi's name um, being put out there. What if I'm going to throw this out there see what you guys think. Obi Reddish, two picks being those heavily protected picks from Washington and what do we have Milwaukee and I'm, I'm forgetting the other and Detroit. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I mean, let me take it back because I don't think I think Masai is going to want one of our own that would be unprotected. So one of our own unprotected, one of those heavily protected picks, Obi and Reddish for OG. Are you doing it? I would put a, I would put a sugar on that. I would do it. See that I think it's a fair. See the reason I would I, I would like Lee. Would you do that trade? You like that trade? Does that include a Knicks pick? Yes, one of one of the Knicks' own picks that they control, and maybe they put some kind of protection on it. But one of the heavily protected picks, the, the either from Milwaukee, Detroit, or Washington, along with Obi and Reddish, to get you, to get you, uh, OG. No. You wouldn't do it. Okay. The only reason I thought about that it wasn't it. until Jonathan said that that made me think about it was why something like that might work a little bit better is, okay, you're getting some consolidation because that's something I actually think the Knicks have to do with this roster. Somebody, Some players are going to have to go. We talked about likely how OB is probably going to go. You're not going to be able to yeah. pay him yeah. and IQ, right? So there's going to have to be some sort of co- consolidation. Now, if you can consolidate, get a guy back in, who shoots for career over 37% from three, who we know could defend. That was a concern of John. Doesn't want to bring in somebody you can't defend. Mm-hmm. Understand all that. You can do that while you're consolidating a bit of the roster. We get rid of... So now, but the only people that are going to be mad is the Cam Hive and the Obi Hive because yeah. now they can't cry anymore about the fact that they don't play. But you got a guy in here who could definitely play, right? Like, so... Yeah. I, it's it's interesting. It's It's... That might be a trade. I th- I think about it, man. You, Ryan, you said you'll do it. I think I would do it. I, would I do think it. if that was the price, I'd do it. If it was the unprotected picks, or you got to put a light protection on one of your own picks, I do it. Which I don't think Messiah's going to want. He's going to want at least one pick that he can control. That's um, ridiculous. Oh, he's he's. You can't have a completely pure pick for like a guy who's a B plus player. Like, come on. Yeah, but the problem, you know, but the thing is, when it comes to these trades, right? Is that 
it's all about, well, he's like, oh, you don't pay, somebody else might pay or somebody else might be that desperate. And he's right. It really comes down to like, it's a game of chicken. Like who's going to blink first or who's going to pay what for what price. And, but this is where it comes down to what Lee was talking about too, as a front office and a coaching staff, y'all got to be on the same page. You got to know what the price is that you're trying to pay, what it is you're trying to do, what kind of players you're trying to add and what you think that cost is. Even if the four of us here and fans in the chat, they may all have a different price for what they would do. And that's all fair, but there has to be come, come to some consensus um, as a working organization as to yeah. like what that price is going to be and what you're going to do. I hadn't really thought about Obi till you brought it up, John, but it, considering the fact that he's not playing and we know Reddish also wants to be out of here and Toronto's looking for some high upside players to yeah. go along with uh, picks that they would want. It's, it's not, it's not crazy. It's not wild at all. Yeah. For me, I don't want to include an Obi and a Nets pick together just for OG. I'd be willing to, to do that deal and include a, a, high, a protected top 10 uh, minimum and Obi if they also toss in Gary Trent Jr. If we were able to add some length with Trent Jr. and OG mm. and, and then maybe mm. give him Reddish in return to help match the salary, I mean, uh, Rose in return, then I would do it. But just for OG, no. But if we can get oh, two, I, two long guys in return. Like where is Gary NBA long? Is Gary's not long. Yeah. He said he's 6'5". He's like 6'5". Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, Rhymes is like six four, six five. Are you going to? I'm, I'm thinking six seven and up in my brain. Even though I, I hear what you're saying, I would because he's a free agent, and so once you make a move like that, you almost I feel like committing to to re-signing him in the off season. I he's I also don't mind how you're thinking there too, Lee, because you're saying like, okay, what other value can we get for players that are going to be into this culture? Which was part, a comment I made earlier, right? It's like whatever you're going to trade for. You're going to consolidate in one way, then you got to make sure you bring back guys right. that can be part of what you're doing that can grow with your core. Um, Gary Trent's a fine, nice player, helps us with something we talked about at the beginning of the show, right? Bench scoring, bench scoring, which yeah. he severely lacked. Um, he, he's not the greatest defender, he's he's okay. Um, we know OG is a plus defender. I'm not, I'm not crazy. And what did you say, Lee? You said you put a top 10 protection, yeah, on, top 10 on, protection. Yeah. Top 10 protected, I, I would definitely extend Gary Trent Jr. because he doesn't just need to be shooting. He can actually create off the dribble, too. Create off the bounce. He's not trying to add guys and get their own shot. He's actually better at getting his own shot than even OG. He's, he's 17 points a game, only 23 years old. He's a solid. I mean, it's a lot of pluses checking off the boxes for him as an addition. So give me that, so give me that again. You, you'd you want Trent and OG, yeah. right? And you said uh, you'd be willing to give up OB, Reddish. OB and Reddish. Bride, Reddish. Rose. Oh, Obi McBride and Rose. Any combination. What'd you say? What'd you say, Ryan? Say that again? I said Toronto's not going to do that, though. I don't think so either. I think Reddish and Obi will get it done for them. I would give them a Nits pick and but the you, Dallas pick you, and Milwaukee. You would need you would need you, you would need Rose in that deal for the salary, though. That yeah. you would need. There's no doubt. I haven't looked at all the numbers right in front of me, but you're yeah. gonna need one of those. But Rose now is Rose is valuable million. to them because he's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So there is value in that. They're getting cap relief. They're getting picks. I would. I think the holdup in that deal you mentioned, Lee, is would Masai want that top ten protection to be on that pick? I think he's going to hold back on that and fight on that. I think he would. I think that, I like your deal. I just don't think he's going to want at least one first round that he could control if he's giving up OG. Yeah, yeah. I believe. I think OG is worth a uh, one unprotected pick. I do think he's worth that as a player. So I think it's, I, I would, that's a fine price. Yeah, I think it's fair to give up one unprotected pick and one protected pick plus players for OG. I think that's a fair trade. 
If Derry Trump's back, no protection. I- I'll do it. I'll also, negotiate. two two players who we all are saying here that we are don't think factor into the future. And to the point that you made, Lee, Gary Trent's a player, I forgot, he was only 23. Good point on that. Yep. And he can be part of the future. He can create a little bit off the bounce. He's a nice bench player. Um, and you're getting a guy who could defend it. You can say fits into tip system and beyond, because, you know, we talked about beyond that. That can happen. So I, it's not, see, look, we, look, we came together. We made, we made some good trades here. And then on Gary top Trent of that, because be- and, and the other argument I'm hearing is, well, that doesn't make us a championship team. But here's the thing that does do though, like even if a, if a star was to come, you can easily flip OG and Gary Trent with the nice. picks to bring in to bring in a star because OG is wanted around the league, you know. So I don't think it'll like make us it'll make us better in the short term. On top of that, it goes with our age timeline with the young guys, right. and on top of that, if we want to go for all star later on. We'll have our picks, and you can say, and I'll include OG, or maybe I'll say I include Grimes. We'll we'll have enough. We'll have enough talent, kind of like the Cavs did. We'll have enough talent to actually move them, and then bring something back, and it won't hurt. You know what I mean? So, I I would definitely I would definitely do that. I think we I think we've all man. They should put us in the front office, man. I feel like we all just came up with a pretty decent trade here, or at least. Somewhat of a consensus to a decent trade. Here. <laughs> I know. I haven't looked at the chat yet. They might be throwing tomatoes. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't looked. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a look, man. They, they might. They might not. Uh, they might not like 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 the trade. I see somebody said if we got OG and Gary Trent, we'd be tough out in the playoffs. I don't disagree with that, and and I also think the point John made too. It doesn't mess up the timeline. It fits right in well, and I don't think the price being paid. I think you're being fair on that, Ryan. I don't think the price being paid is insane is pretty fair value now three first rounders nah i'll be like if Masai said that i would be like yo you tripping man like that nah we, we we can't do that but i think one of the protected ones one control of one ob and reddish yeah not. i'm with and you got those two players back because I'm, I'm glad lee said that lee saying that you're trying to get a little bit more back that's not and you know throwing a, a rose like i said that's not that's not a bad deal at all man that's a pretty fair. I think Yo, call him aside. For both All right. <laughs> call him I, got, right I got, got him right now. Got him. Got him right now. So, <laughs> the only thing I'm worried about was I don't know Brian Brian Windsor's. He he said that he's looking. They might be looking more for young players than picks, and the Pelicans are interested. You already know the Pelicans are loaded with everything. So <laughs> you, they got picks. They got young players of the Wazoo. So you just don't know with the Pelicans. So. I mean, but I'm That's, the, com- yeah, the deal we did. We talked about uncomfortable Thursday, with that deal. I think if OG's traded next by next Thursday, I think that's one that's going to come down to the wire because I think he's going to be in high demand with his skill set on how he could help a team and a team like the Pelicans, who was at the top of the West and they've been sliding, they can use him. I'll say Memphis. I think Memphis would be perfect for him if Memphis gets him. They're scary. Um, he's like that last that last piece they need, you know. But he could be I, – I know I said that what would he do with the Knicks. I like Lee's trade more if you get Gary Trent because I think that does more for the team in the short and long term yeah. than just getting OG. Um, and it sort of rebalances the roster a little bit too. So there's some things I, I would like about that. Okay. If Masai wants young guys, McBride, Reddish, and Obi are all young. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Then we, 
Pix for Timmy says, I love y'all, but stay, stay the hell away from our front office. <laughs> our own have turned on us. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to my guy, Pix for Timmy. <laughs> oh, man. Salute to the chat, though. Everybody's rocking with the channel. Uh, if you like the show, hit that like and subscribe. We're here after every game talking Knicks basketball. All right. So shout out to you guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. I think we talked enough. Unless do you guys have any final words or you want to mention anything that you feel like I've missed? Speak now. I will just say it was a, I'm gonna before we leave, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Um Nick of Time show, you guys are doing great stuff. Appreciate it. Um we talked about this before we got on. We have to keep supporting independent media. We have to com- complete comp- continue, excuse me, to support uh, minority-owned media, people of color. Um, with media, that stuff's important. So I'm glad. I'm really happy that you guys had me on your platform. Um, glad to come back. I think the Knicks are in a good space. Mm-hmm. Knicks fans shouldn't be down. It's been a roller coaster season. I keep saying that every time Lee comes on the show with me, it's been a crazy up and down season. Yes. But um, nah, I, th- I think I think they're in a good space, and I think Knicks fans shouldn't be down. Good win tonight. Let's see what they can do um, to close out this homestand. But um, it's, it's a good win. It's going to be positive. I know Lee's going to keep up the fire tips energy. Absolutely. Um, you know, but that's why you've got Ryan and, and Jonathan to, you know, help balance them out with that. Facts. You know what I'm saying? You need a little bit of a balance there. And uh, and, and that matters. But now, nah, man, you guys you guys are doing a, a, a great show. I want to really salute that. I really wanted to say that publicly. You guys are doing a great show. And, um, you know, salute to the fans, too, because you're nothing without the people that support you. Absolutely. Um, and. And uh, as somebody who's done a lot in their career from independent media, I know you're nothing without the people. So, you know, salute to all the Nick fans out there supporting and, and supporting the show. And you're going to see these guys, Ryan and Jonathan and Lee, they're going to be on with me, you know, making appearances on the New York Post and SNY and, um, you know, my NBA exchange show. So, you know, we'll, we'll be collaborating more. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. So absolutely, blessings, guys. Appreciate blessings. it. Man. You're saying my government, they don't even know my government. They're like, who's Jonathan? <laughs> oh, my, my bad. My bad. We can't put you out there like that. <laughs> now y'all know what the J stands for. <laughs> but salute to you guys. Oh, I have one one last thing to say. Uh, I do, Ryan G, have bruh. a bruh pick. All right. Bruh pick for the day. If you guys don't know, bruh pick usually is something stupid that happens. Or an idiotic basketball play, or it can just be an event, or just something stupid that happened in the world. As we call it a broad pick. And today, I will give that broad pick to my man Isaiah Hartenstein. All right, Isaiah Hartenstein, great game. He's had a great few games, but today in the first quarter, I don't know. He rushed it somehow, and he ended up like sky hooking a point blank layup and the ball sailed in the air kind of high and bounced off the side of the rim and i kind of got secondhand embarrassment watching him blow that layup so for black history month first day of black history month i want to give a, a bruh i'm sorry bruh to Isaiah hartenstein and i'm only saying that because if you didn't guys didn't know isaiah hartenstein is half yes. black all right <laughs> he's, he's, he, he is he's invoking the spirit of child smith for today's game shout out to my man i say hard style. great game though great game all the way you're glad we won we the game all right i do got two bro picks though oh you got two okay two okay 
The first bar pick goes to Julius Randle. Cause there was a play in the game where I think he was I think he was either driving the back, he was either driving to the basket or he was posting up. And he wanted to pass the ball to Sims. And I know Sims is athletic, but he threw oh. the ball up. <laughs> out of bounds so that's that's my first bro pick right Bruh. here yeah and someone mentioned in the chat my second bro pick goes to dylan brooks because i don't know if you i don't know if y'all saw the clip but the cavaliers and the grizzlies are playing and him and donovan mitchell had kind of a little mix-up and my man went below the belt on donovan mitchell which caused donovan mitchell to run up on him and mm. had a fight yes Bruh. Ouch. Hey man, D- Dylan Dylan Brooks. No, no, Dylan Brooks, man, he kind of had that coming. That's the way I, I saw that. And yeah. I was like, man, he, he's been trying to fight everybody. He was trying to fight Shannon Sharp. And uh I think people <laughs> have had enough. And then you know, you're out here trying to kick people below the belt. You can't have that. We know you I'm not condoning violence. I'm just saying if somebody does that, you know, fair game. You got, I just listen. Game, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Look, Dex is from Brooklyn. He know, all right. You can't yeah, be you kicking not, people, kicking people in the crotch and expect to rock. Can't be doing country. that, man. That's disrespect. Can't be doing that. Nah, <laughs> can't be doing that. that. Let him know, Dex. All right. He knows what yeah. it is. Man, with Flatbush area. Shout out to Dexter, man. Man, the people. There man. we go. He's Flatbush all day. There we go. All day, all day, man. Flatbush all day. Gunshots, all right. All right. Hold up. No super chat. Four ninety nine super chat. From JT Riddick says, "Year salute to KOT hashtag all eighty two. All right, shout out to you. All right, wait, Jay Ellis. What's up? I got a bro pick. Oh, you got a bro. Okay, Lee's first bro pick. Oh, here we go. My bro pick is who, whatever assistant coach it was, a rat out Cam Reddish to Tibbs. Stitches get stitches, bro. Stitches get stitches, bro. Word to camera. Stitches get stitches. All right." <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Lee. <laughs> that was a good one. It's good. That's a good first brother, Lee. That's a good first. All right, we're gonna end the show now. All right, that is our show. Yo, Dex, Dex, to let them know where the where the, the people can find you. Plug everything. You can find me New York Post Sports YouTube channel, SNY YouTube channel. I'm on there. I hold it down every weekend. Also, one day during the week, uh, you can catch me on there. Follow me on Twitter at dhenry. TV. You also can see me hosting the NBA Exchange and the A-Hearts Tell podcast. That's a sports and hip-hop podcast I do. That is on the Backpack Broadcasting. That's my independent nice. YouTube channel that I do, so you can catch me there. Um, these guys will also be on this on those shows at some point. We're going to make it happen, um, so it's good. So thank y'all for the support, man. And uh, like I said before, y'all got y'all to gotta have me back. It was really good kicking it with y'all after a Nick game. I'm always down to talk some Knicks hoops, man, and y'all are some good guys to talk with, and um, just keep keep doing what y'all doing, man. Keep doing what y'all doing and keep shining. That's it. Same thing to the fans out there. Keep uh keep doing what y'all doing and supporting. I see people giving the super chats and doing all that. It's beautiful. Support independent media. Support media done by people of color, especially during Black History Month. So um appreciate y'all. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. If you know anybody else who we want to jump on, I listen, man. We, we sharing is caring. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got some people for you. I definitely got you. I all right, let them. Let them let them know we can, we can come in on and collab. We do what we do. We all go. right, collaborations. Yep. Exactly. Rising tide lift all boats. All right, Lee. Let them know where they can find you, sir. I got some shout outs. I want to say some names uh, that I made sure that Dexter Henry hears because they're a huge part of a KOT channel. Pitch for Timmy, Winston Ellis, JT Riddick, 
and my main man, Fritz Alexander. Yeah, best model in the game. <laughs> sure you heard those names and know the work that's put into them, moderating the chat and all the hard work they do behind the scenes, especially my main man, Fritz. Fritz. Yo, shout out to shout out to Fritz. Fritz, Fritz follows me. Uh, I, so shout out to Fritz, man. I love Fritz, man. He's one of my favorite people on earth. I never met him in real life, yeah. but I, I love his energy. Uh, and my talks with them. And also, I want to give a major shout out to you, Dexter, for for having me on and giving me a conduit to to speak my truth on the Knicks and to be able to represent, you know, Jay Ellis and Ryan G. I always say two black intellectuals talking Knicks on these YouTube streets. I think it's important um, to be able to give them a shout out. It's Black History Month. I think you're a great, unbelievable Knicks knowledge and NBA expert you, doing your thing and really, you know, opening the doors for, for everyone else to be able to have an opportunity to speak their piece as well. And it just like really warms my heart a lot to know. Yeah, th thank, thank you, man. And I think, I think the people should know, you know, we talked about this before yeah. uh, the three of us, before we hopped on here. And I think people should know, I'm going to say this publicly, you know, Lee reached out to me a couple months ago and uh, sent me an email about just being on, on with me on SMY and your post and, just having more diverse voices on there. And that's something I've always tried to do. And um, when I came on tonight, you know, he, he was sure to immediately big up Ryan and uh, Jay Ellis right here for the work that they've done over the years and making sure that they get the recognition um, that they deserve for, for doing this work independently and building the fan base and building this platform. And, um, you know, when I'm do, when I do what I do, it's in my position to, to make sure we, we give back and, uh, you know, uplift others in, in the media space. And so, you know, that's why I said it. I said it before, but I also say saying it here now that Lee's mentioned it so people could know how this came about. It's just, you know, we want all of these guys here to be part of what it's doing. So you will see these guys on with me. You will hear their voices. You will you will see them on on various platforms shining because that's that's what important is important. And, you know, we have to do this for all people of color, all marginalized groups, mm -hmm. um, all genders. Uh, we have to we have to do this. This is absolutely important work that we must do in this media space. So thank you, Lee, for for doing that. But you deserve the credit because absolutely. you you reached out. I know you reached out to me. And a lot of times people think you can't reach out to somebody. You can't always all somebody can tell you is yes or no. Yeah. That's something I say all the time. But, you know, I think reaching out and what Lee, said, Lee wrote to me spoke to me in terms of something I'm passionate about, which is uh, producing more diversity in media. So. You know, it was uh, it's I'm blessed that, you know, you were able to write to me and um, we were able to do it. Now we're able to collab here and be here and talk some Knicks and we had some fun. So, you know, it's funny how it all works. And now Jay Ellis is going to hop on and Ryan's going to hop on with me and we're, we're going to all be in contact. And, um, you know, it's that, that's how that's how it should be. And I think the fans deserve to know that because yeah. these are the things that need to happen behind the scenes. Um, and I think that even people who just watch and support the media, especially if they are people of color, um, they definitely need to know that too and need to see that. So that's a, also another shout out to the fans. Continue to support these these brothers because they are they're doing really good work and what they do matters a ton. It really does. Yeah, it makes me so happy to know that, that both Jay Ellis and Ryan are going to get an opportunity because they've been doing this a, a way longer than I have, putting in so much sweat equity, their own money in, into the show. Like it just really means a lot to me. Like. You know, not to get too emotional, but I'm just really happy to know that, that both Ryan and JL is here an opportunity to speak their truth because they both deserve it. Yeah, yeah appreciate you. And, you know, Ryan and, Ryan and Jay Ellis, man, two Brooklyn guys. So, you know, you yes, know, sir. you already know what time it is, guys. Yes, sir. You know yes, sir. I'm still down the block. I'm still down the block. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I know. Me, me, me and JL found out we don't we don't live that far apart. <laughs> we found that out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, yo, shout out. Yo, definitely shout out to Fritz. Fritz is like, people don't know, but Fritz is like, 
like a secret backbone to KOT. So shout out to Fritz, who who does a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And then, you know, I work hard, but Fritz works hard as well. And shout out to everybody on the team, Alex, who helps with graphics with me. Shout out to, you know, everybody who helped Raw, Ryan G, Lee, everybody who's helped us kind of get to this point. And um, Kathy. Kathy, original OGs, Kathy, Edson, Sean, everybody, everybody, um, everybody who rock with us. All the writers too, Mikey and Ken. Hey. Whole squad. squad. Let's go. Rob, everybody. All right. All right. Thank you, Tor. That is our show. Wait. Ryan G, let them know where they can find you, sir. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I. And you can also find me at Sir G's Corner and on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. Exactly, exactly. And let me know. Listen, you can find us in a few different places. All right. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can listen to all our podcasts on those platforms. You can get those snapbacks, the blue and orange and black and white at nicktimeshow.com. All you got to do is go there, hit catalog, boom, all the merch pops up right there in your face. All right? And follow us on Twitter at The KOT Show, Instagram at The Nick of Time Show, and Facebook at The Nick of Time Show as well. And, yep, that's it. That's it. That's That's all there is to it. Good show. Great talk, guys. And as always, you already know the deal. Shut out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these YouTube Nick streets. That's our show. We out of here. Peace. Peace. York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm going to go to the New York, New York, big city of dreams. <laughs>